Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, it's Tuesday morning. Do you know where you are? I, I do. I do. Does everybody? I don't know for sure. It's if you question. don't, stop right now, figure out where you are. Call Pastor PJ, <laughs> ask him who you are and where you are. What's going on? Text him. Yeah. In fact, for everyone who texts Pastor PJ today, no, no. he will buy. No, no. This, is false. <laughs> this is false prophecy. This is what this is. It is false prophecy. Texas Twinkies for anybody. This is false prophecy. <laughs> All yeah. right. Hey, but it is Allie Trinidad's birthday. Allie Trinidad. Speaking of Texas Twinkies, Allie, you should get as many Texas Twinkies as you are years old, set a candle on each, and then blow them out. How many Texas Twinkies would that be, Pastor? 16. <laughs> Maybe no more than 21. So wondering how deep you were going to dig. <laughs> I wasn't digging. I was I, just, come on. Hey, hey, I would take, when, when it's my birthday, I will take as many Texas Twinkies and more, and I will preserve them, and are. I will eat them. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's fair. You could be like, yeah, buy me way more Texas Twinkies than I am. I, <laughs> that's, yeah, I'll yeah. take them, right? Happy yeah. birthday, Allie. I hope Happy you do birthday. something really cool today. Yep. I be, You know what? I would be excited to know if uh, Angelo, because Angelo, you know, he's, uh, Angelo's is Allie's husband. He's, he's musical. He likes singing songs. I'd like to know if he sings her a song or not. Like happy birthday? Well, yeah, more than a <laughs> traditional song. <laughs> you know, like a love song. Some John Mayer... I don't know. So in sync, some train, Backstreet Boys, Backstreet, yeah, Prince, one of those guys. Yeah, maybe. Well, hey, Trinidad's, we appreciate both you guys, but Allie, especially you today on your birthday. That's right. Yeah, we're grateful for you and your service. You serve in in so many capacities. Kidsmen being number one, and uh, student men, student men too. Hospi- yeah. I mean, she's hospitable. She, she stands in the yep. front and welcomes people. Yep. Yeah. Does so, it all. Thank you and happy birthday. Indeed. Ezekiel. Bread. No more bread. I still want it, though. Well, yeah, no. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, by the way, there's a, a, a bread brand that's called Ezekiel 4, whatever the verse is. Seven? Yeah, and it just it's one of the clearest pictures of not n- knowing context that I think we find in today's society because <laughs> I think if somebody were to call them up and be like, guys, do you, do you know what this b- bread was baked over? Uh, I don't know that they'd be super keen on on uh, on all that I, they, they probably know I, at, at this point for as long as they've been around they know for sure they yeah. do it's just like well yeah but that's okay we don't bake it the same way but yeah it's the same bread it's one of those examples it's like the daniel diet when people are like oh look it's in the bible should we should do this yeah i mean well hey i it can go wrong but i'd rather have that than the opposite it's in the bible don't do that well yeah no that's fair but yeah the whole like vegetables and water we're gonna just and then we'll look better than everybody else like look guys that was a god thing one like that was god flexing and we'll get there in daniel like that that shouldn't have happened so if you go on the daniel diet like it's not gonna go good for you and so uh put the book down in fact put it in the fireplace turn it on use it as kindling to keep yourself warm and uh and eat your meat it's uh it's good for you that's right god made us carnivores bro right just saying texas twinkies that's right Ezekiel 7, 8, and 9. In chapter 7, uh, there are parallels here. In fact, some called this even a sermon on Amos chapter 8. 
So if you go to Amos chapter eight, it's not a long chapter. You can read it in concert with this one. And there are a lot of parallel themes. In fact, uh, a lot of, of similar words and, uh, and verbiage is used there. And again, this is dealing with the wrath of God. Here it is, the day of the wrath of the Lord. Now, there's two ways to think about the day of, of the Lord here. There is a future eschatological judgment coming that is known in Scripture as the day of the Lord. Then there are situations like I think is, is what we're encountering here, where God's judgment that is going to be impending upon the nation is referred to as the day of judgment or the day of the Lord. Uh, so there's an, an imminent fulfillment of this for Jerusalem here. So I think in, in Ezekiel chapter 7, I don't think this is looking to the eschatological uh, judgment of the day of the Lord. I think this is dealing with, hey, the day of the Lord for you, Judah, you, Jerusalem, is coming. It's impending. And that wrath is going to be poured out. For what purpose? Well, again, look, our phrase is repeated there one, two, three times at least in this text that you will know that I am the Lord. Um, that's what, what's coming and that's what's impending and, and the prophet is warning them. This end would come, the day of the Lord would come through Nebuchadnezzar in 586, which with the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem and the temple there. I also see a connection in chapter 6 too. Uh, so chapter 6 and 7 seem to work together uh, in terms of what they, what they cover. Chapter 6, uh, Zeke is speaking to the mountains. So he says, Son of man, act, uh, rather set your face, verse 2 of chapter 6, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them and say, you mountains of Israel, here's the word of the Lord. Chapter 7, he says, okay, son of man, thus says the Lord, uh, the Lord God to the land of Israel, an end, an end, that kind of thing. So I think uh, you have the mountains on the one hand, you have the land on the other. God is sending Zeke to do the work of a watchman to say, hey, here's what's happening. Here's the sin. Now you need to deal with it. So I see a connection between these two chapters, which will eventually lead us into chapters 8 through 11, the temple vision. But this is why he's preaching uh, judgment and, and warning. Right. Right. And so let's get to chapter eight, which begins, as you said, eight through 11, the visions of the temple. And, uh, and here Ezekiel, remember he was in Babylon. He's, he's caught up in a vision to be able to see what's going on presently in uh, the temple as God is revealing these things to him. It's about 592 BC, just to, to frame our, our, our time frame here. So we're still about six years away from the final uh, day of the Lord that uh, chapter seven was talking about there. Um, but he's led in here by another appearance of a man that is, uh, according to verse four, the, the glory of the God of Israel. Um, and this, again, seems to be the pre-incarnate Christ who is interacting with the prophet here and, uh, and bringing him to the temple where he says and mentions something in verse three, where the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy was. This is a reference to a, a false God, an idol that had been set up in the temple. And that was just the beginning because it just gets even worse and worse and worse. And that's what he says. Look at verse six. You will see greater abominations still. Uh, the, the next scene depicts kind of a, a, a behind the curtain peek at this secretive cult that's going on inside the temple where there's, uh, there's, there's artistic depictions of false gods and, and creation on the walls. And these men are there gathered together. There's 70 of them. That was the number of the elders of Israel. And so these are, are representative of the elders of Israel. The people that were supposed to lead Israel in, in godliness are here behind closed doors, worshiping a false God and, and these, these idols. And yet God says in verse 13, you're going to see even greater abominations still than this. And then there's these women that are weeping for the God Tammuz or Tammuz. You may think, who in the world is that? And uh, this was the God of vegetation. This was a false God, a pagan God. I already don't like him. And uh, Vegetables. Yeah, vegetables, right? <laughs> there you yeah, go. The Daniel diet. Here it there it goes. Came there's back another, full circle. Another evidence. But this was not just 592, but this would have been September, probably September of 592, which would have been the beginning of the fall season and vegetation dies in the fall as it's 
beginning to go into the, the hibernation of winter. And that would have been what the people would do. They would weep for the god Tammuz as the, the vegetation was dying off at the time because they saw it as a symbolic representation of the death of the god only to be reincarnated again in the spring when the vegetation would spring to life. And so they're worshiping, again, false gods here in the temple. And, uh, and then there's these 25 men, uh, again, that he sees afterward, and they're worshiping the sun. And so this is just a, a saturation of godlessness that's, that's occurring in the temple. And I think God is, is showing Ezekiel this so that Ezekiel begins to understand a little bit more of God's wrath and why it's coming in such capacity. Well, let's drive the knife just a little deeper. And verses 16 through, uh, was that through, well, it's just verse 16, it looks like. Uh, the guys that are bowing down to the sun are in the inner court of the house of the Lord. So he, Ezekiel, Zeke is told between the porch and the altar. So we're looking, you're like, you're right in front of the temple, right? Temple's right there. You're right in front next to the bronze altar, um, the washing basin. You're, you're just in that center courtyard there, right there in front of the temple. And they're facing east. So they're facing toward the sun, which means that their, their derriere is pointed toward the temple. They are showing their backside to God. Right. And that's what's so egregious here. The men aren't just worshiping the, the sun. They're worshiping the sun in the courtyard of God, and they're giving God their rear ends. Yep. Oh. Yeah. If I, it just makes you want to pull your hair up. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. It's like, you deserve everything that's coming to you because these guys are doing the worst thing ever. They're de- defiling the temple. They're defiling God. They're showing, I mean, it's, this is sinning with a high hand is what scripture calls it. Sinning with a high hand. That, yep. That's why verse 18, therefore I will act in wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Which leads to chapter nine, which is the beginning of the departure of the glory of God from the temple. Um, we see this in verse three, the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. And so the, the, the glory of God had ta- always taken up residence in the Holy of Holies, right? That between the, the, the cherubim, the, the, uh, the angelic creatures that were over the Ark of the Covenant, that's where the glory of God rested or resided, so to speak, uh, even though, again, Solomon said, there's no temple that can contain God, but yet this was the place where the glory of God was representatively dwelling with his people. It's beginning to move. It's beginning to leave, and it will ultimately leave, as we'll see eventually here in Ezekiel. And uh, and guess what, y'all? It's still not back. It's still not there. Um, there's going to be a time coming, and we've talked about this before. Revelation 21. God will be their God. He will dwell with them as as their God, and they will be His people. That's the time when the full restoration takes place, and in in such a, a a more substantive way. This this was a shadow to have the glory of God take up residence in the holy of holies. But yet it was it was something. They're gonna have nothing. Guess what? What happens if you go to Israel today and you go up on the Temple Mount? What's there in this place where all of this was taking place is the dome of the rock. It's a it's a pagan. It's a it's a godless shrine that's been uh, been put there by the the Islamic people, and the glory of God is nowhere to be found on the the, the Temple Mount. So this is the beginning of the end. And here in in chapter nine, uh, th- these idolaters are are depicted. I don't think this is a literal execution at this point, but I think this is a, a forward looking to the judgment that will befall them. So as Ezekiel is seeing in this vision, he sees that these these men and these women that are doing these things, they will die for these sins because of their defiling of the temple. Yeah, I, I appreciate that in verse four, God marks out a remnant that he's going to protect, he's going to preserve. And he, he identifies them by the way that they respond to the cultural defilement that's taking place. And he says here, 
uh, he tells this angelic messenger, put a mark on the foreheads of the men who, here, here's the word here, or the words, sigh and groan mm. over all the abominations that are committed in it. And later on he says, hey, when he sends them to take out these people symbolically, he says, begin at the sanctuary, but don't touch those um, those whom I have marked, those who sigh and groan. So you, you read the news just like we do, I'm sure, and, and you find things that are that are awful, and there's probably a diet of too much today. I think we have a lot more access to information than, than Zeke ever had. Uh, but there is an appropriate response. And not that we ever want to be in this state. I think there is that sense where we're like, we're sorrowful yet always rejoicing, like Paul would say. Um, but there is a sense in which godly people are are moved in significant, real, bothersome ways. Yeah. We sigh and groan over the evil that's taking place. I mean, we just had the the, the national, uh, what do you call them, the mid, midterm, elections. midterm elections. Thank you. And several states, and, and several states are like, hey, we love abortion so much. Right. We want to enshrine it in our state constitution so that it can never be withdrawn. That's evil. Yeah. That's evil. That's yep. evil. Ah, I don't, there's not even a strong enough word to talk about how abominable that is. Now, I groan about that, and I'm sure you do too, and there's yeah. all of us should. We should sigh and groan, but we don't sigh and groan as those without hope. We should be prayerfully advancing the gospel and seeking to win our neighbors, even as we lament the great evil that our nation and our culture continues to permeate or to uh, to continue to push forward. We should sigh and groan at these things. That's an appropriate response, but that's not all we do. Just right. to be clear, that's not all we do. We're not sour, glum, solemn people, um, at least not that alone. We also rejoice but we are people that sigh and groan. Right. And, and hopefully not just over the sins of others, but over the sin in our life too. Uh, right. I mean, there, there are, are situations where I think it's helpful for us to say, okay, yes, we see the sin of the nation and I was with you and I was thinking the same things, but then we need to also examine our own lives and, and say, God, would David see if there's any grievous way in me? I, I, I want sin out of my life. I want to sigh and groan over my flesh and, and the, the, the part of it that's still clinging to different areas of my life right now until I'm ultimately delivered into glory to be with him and, and to have that mindset to say, man, I hate, I hate it. I hate sin in the lives of other people and I hate sin in my life too. Well, he begins at the sanctuary. Judgment starts at the sanctuary, at yeah. the house of God, we yep. might even say. Yep. So we're not immune from the judgment, right? which is to your point, all the more, I, I assume that we're, we're lamenting our sin, but you're right. We probably yeah. need that reminder as well. Yeah. Well, how about Hebrews chapter 10? Verses 24 through 39. Hey, they're going to let us finish. They're going to let us finish it because we should let us us draw near. Let Let us us hold fast. Yeah. Here's your salad for the day. It's in Hebrews. Let Let us. us. (laughs) That's right. No more vegetables for you. Yeah. Go have some brisket. Yeah. Hey, but uh, again, why are we letting us do these things? Because we're we're confident because Christ has has finished His work, and we are forgiven. And the blood of Christ is better than the blood of bulls and goats. And we've got all this, and, and so we've got a confidence, and we've got uh, the the boldness to draw near. And then verse twenty four: Let us also consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wow, let's unpack that for. An hour and a half. Seriously, though, um, this actually, harkening back to the the sermon that you just heard on Sunday, this has a lot to do with that. Man, we talked about raising up the next generation of Christ followers and how it takes the church uh, to do this as part of God's design. And the church needs to be gathering together. And man, I love that when I bring my kids to church on Sundays, they're not just seeing mom and dad there, but they're seeing. Uh, they're seeing Allie and Angelo there. They're seeing Matt and Brianna there. They're seeing, uh, you know, Bryce and Megan Clancy there. They're 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 seeing Stephen Little there. They're seeing so many people there that are 
obeying this verse that are, are, are prioritizing being together and they're being encouraged. They're being stirred up. We're doing this together. The church is Acts 20 verse 28 says the church was purchased by the blood of Christ. And, and it, Paul could have said you individually were purchased by the blood of Christ. It's not what he said. He said the church was purchased by the blood of Christ there as he's speaking to the Ephesian elders. It matters and we need to lean into it. And one of the responses to the forgiveness that we have is we encourage each other. We lean into community as followers of Jesus. Man, I love that he says we do this and we do it all the more as we see the day drawing near, yeah, which suggests an escalation, a continued increase in, in this, this reality that we engage with as a church. Uh, the expectation from the preacher here is that we do it and we keep doing it more and more. Now, obviously, there's an end point because we, we can't do that indefinitely. Uh, but as we see the end drawing near, as we see the return of Christ coming closer and we're closer to it today than we were yesterday— our job is to respond by trying to do this more, encouraging one another, engaging in the meeting together. I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And I think there's a, there's lots of room for us to improve in this. Yeah. And, and one of the main reasons why we need this is because of where he goes from this. He's, sin is lurking. And we were just talking about that in Ezekiel, right? And, and here we revisit this concept. Sin is lurking and we need to be, we need to be on guard and not think that we're okay just because of a profession or just because of anything else like this. And, and the body of Christ helps us make sure that we don't go on sinning deliberately, that we don't deceive ourselves and, and fall into a, the, the situation as he addressed earlier in the book of failing to reach the rest that, that exists there. Like we need one another in that process because as he says in verse 31, man, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so as we meet together, gather together, spur one another on towards love and good works, Part of that is, hey, I'm here for you, and I'm not going to let you fall away. That's right. And ultimately, yes, God is the one preserving us. But He preserves us through the body. He preserves us through the body. Exactly. So we need to, to do this and do this well. I need it. Pastor Rod, you need it. We need our church body, our church family to do this with us. This is something that is so good, and it's so awesome when we see it working and, and happening. And that's when people love their church. Like you find somebody that's like, man, I, I love my church. Chances are it's a church like this. That's it's, right. It's doing this. Yeah. And I, I've learned over the course of my time in, in ministries that you, you can't take anyone's salvation for granted. Um, the moment we do that, we let off and we just pretend like, oh, you know, I can, I can give them space. They're, they're fine. They're, they're mature. They're stable, et cetera. Um, the reality is that all of us need each other. Right. And the strongest among us, perhaps even more so, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, let him who stands, let him who thinks he stands, rather, take heed lest he fall. Um, there is a sense in which even those of us who are quote unquote strong still need the body. We're, you're, you're never going to be so strong you don't need the rest of the body. We all do. And that's why it's so important that we gather together, that we spend time together, that family fest that we did on Sunday, things like that, church time, uh, small group time, events, hanging out, laughing together. I mean, all of that matters so much in the progression of our faith and of our development of love for God. Yep. Community group, another way, right? Nice. Small groups, yeah. yeah. Same, same difference. Oh, sorry. Did you say small groups? I did say. Yeah. I missed it in the litany of other things that you're <laughs> too many, too many lists. Okay. Yeah. Less lists next time. Yeah. Hey, uh, we we love our church though, and so yes, speaking of that, we absolutely love our church and uh, are thankful for you guys and the Indeed. encouragement that we get from you. Um, and we're looking forward to, to doing this from here on out until God calls us home, and then we get to be with each other in eternity, which is awesome. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us again for another episode, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow for maybe another episode. I think I think it's you can count on it. Be there. Bye. Or be square. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.